Good morning. I ask you to turn your Bibles, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6. Our verses this morning will be from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 and 13, really continuing upon what we began last week, considering the full armor of God, looking at verse 10 last week. I don't know about you guys, but I always have reoccurring dreams, kind of nightmares, if you will. You know, back in college days, it was that I hadn't finished my paper, which usually I hadn't, but, um, but you'd wake up in the middle of the night kind of scared something like that's happened. One of them that I always have is that I would show up somewhere dressed inappropriately. You know what I'm talking about. Terrified that that may happen, I was listening to my my friend who I, uh, one of my best friends growing up, and he always tells great stories, and he was reminding me just last week of our vacation, I got to spend some time with him. He was reminding me of a story in church, you know, how bad it got one day for him. He uh, was at a large church, and he was doing work with the students, and he, uh, they had an event coming up where they were going to have a Christian comedian and they were going to have like a luau-type theme and some other stuff. So him and some guys were dressing up in their traditional service uh, in some outfits to come out and invite people to come, do a little skit, if you will. And so he's got on his jeans and a Brooks and Dunn T-shirt. He is the uh, comedian, if, if that would be the case. And as he was getting ready to come out, a man got up right before his time. A man got up and came running down the aisles, screaming at the pastor. Now just imagine, uh, don't try it by the way, but just imagine, this man's getting up and running down the aisle, screaming at the pastor about something the pastor didn't do that week in a large church, and it just turns into chaos. People come up, kind of tackle him, get him out of there, just kind of becomes chaos right in front of him. And my buddy who's dressed in a Brooks and Dunn t-shirt and jeans says, I'm not going out there. And the guy goes, go, go, we got to have you. And so after the chaos of a man coming down the aisle, wrestling to the ground, everybody standing up and looking, breathing, kind of just talking about it. Holy cow, what in the world just happened? My buddy comes out on stage with a guy dressed in a luau outfit, very next thing, and says, did y'all hear about the two antennas that got married? The wedding was terrible, but the reception was out of this world. He says the most inappropriate thing he's ever done in his life, trying to get out of that. And in some ways, I guess that as we come here this morning and we think about this, one of the great desires of the Lord for us is that we would be appropriately dressed. That we would be appropriately dressed, not be inappropriately dressed, but be dressed appropriately for what we need in our life and what we need every day. And as we live every day, in this world the lord does not want us to be unaware that there's a battle that is going on that we never take time off from it is always there it is always raging a battle that we face and he doesn't want his people to be, to be inappropriately dressed for it he wants us to be dressed right and dressed well fit for the battle and so as paul comes in ephesians 6 the great desire here is that Paul says for us as believers to be strong and put on the full armor of God. Be appropriately dressed for every day. 
And so that's our passage this morning in Ephesians 6, verses 11 through 13. You can follow me there, if you will, as we will read it together. Ephesians 6, 11 through 13. Paul writes, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Let's pray together. Father, as we read your word, it seems ominous to us to consider a battle raging a battle raging, Father, that is outside of our control. A battle raging, Father, that we in and of ourselves are not fit for. But even as we read this passage, God, I am thankful that you have provided all that we need for every day. And so, God, my prayer is that today, that each and every one of us would be appropriately fit for the battle that is out there. Each and every one of us would be prepared for this, for you have provided all that we need. And so, God, my my ask of you now is that you would work in our hearts, that you would help every person here to see the necessity of Christ and the full armor of God. And Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our passage this morning helps, us as, uh, helps me as a preacher because there's several imperatives there. Imperatives, of course, are commands. They're calling us to do something. And so my job really is just to point out the commands, the, the call here in this passage. We started in verse 10 with be strong in the Lord. It was a command. Be strong in the Lord, trusting in the power of His might. And as you are being strong in the Lord, then you are to put on the whole armor of God. Here, Paul refers to putting on the armor like putting on clothing in fact, he has done this in many other places. When we read Paul here, he says it in, in chapter 4. He uses that imagery of taking off and putting on, like you're put, taking off something and putting on something, as the imagery for what the believer is doing every day with their life. He says in chapter 4, verse 20, that is not the way you learn Christ, speaking of one who is impure or one who is seeking after unrighteousness. He says in verse 21, assuming that you have heard of him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Paul calls us to take off the old things and put on the new. It's, a, it's an imagery that helps us as we get dressed every day, considering what it's like to, to, to take something off and put something new on. And Paul says that's exactly what the believer does. In fact, for Paul, he makes this distinction throughout Ephesians uh, the entire time. He talks about what it was before you came to Christ and what you are now. You were once dead in your trespasses. Now you are alive. You were once lost and now you have been found you were once separated from God and now you have been reconciled to him all because of what Christ has done there has been a change in your life and because of what Christ has done taking you from death to life taking you from lost to found taking you from separated to united because of what Christ has done there is this picture that he wants you to see that you're taking off that old stuff and you're putting on the new it's an action that Paul wants us to see to take place 
That's not just for Paul, although he uses it in other places. Probably the more famous one is in Colossians 3 when he tells us to put to death the old things in you and put on all that is new, which is righteousness and goodness and holiness. This picture is painted for us in Paul, but it's not just painted for us in Paul. It's, it's painted for us in the prophets as well. As we look to Isaiah chapter 61, it's the same imagery that Isaiah the prophet says when he says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Isaiah talks about how God has covered us and clothed us with what is necessary and needed, salvation and righteousness. He uses the imagery of clothing. But it doesn't just go to the prophets. Paul uses it. The prophets use it. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, right? In Genesis chapter 2, Adam and Eve created in the image of God, placed in the garden. They're at perfect peace between God and man. Perfect peace between Adam and Eve, man and woman. Perfect peace between man and the earth until Genesis chapter 3 happens. At the end of chapter 2, this perfect peace is described as that they were naked and not ashamed. It was giving this imagery that they were appropriate before the Lord, even in their nakedness, because they were innocent and unashamed of it. No guilt in them. But then Genesis 3 happens, and as soon as they sin against God, what takes place? Immediately their eyes were open, and they didn't know, uh, they knew that they were not innocent any longer, that they were guilty before God. And what is the first thing they do? They try to grab fig leaves. And if you join us on Wednesday night, you'll find out that these are designer fig leaves. And they try to grab fig leaves and sew them together and cover themselves in some way because they recognize before the Lord God Almighty, they are inappropriate now. They're not dressed appropriately. That they have to be covered and even the fig leaves aren't doing it right. But even in Genesis 3, you see the graciousness of God. And that while they no longer were dressed appropriately to be into his presence, the Lord provided a clothing for them as he killed two animals and took their skins because it would take a blood sacrifice to make them appropriate before God. And he covered them with the animal skin so that now they can walk in his presence and be with him. The Lord provided for Adam and Eve exactly what they needed to be appropriately dressed for that time and for that place as they come into his presence. Scripture throughout has talked about how believers must be clothed well, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, clothed in the goodness of his love and mercy, adorned, Paul says, in the beauty and splendor of the Lord. How we're to be clothed in such a way as to cover our sins and only the righteousness of God be seen in us. And so this idea of clothing and putting this on, this righteousness, these good things on us, is, this image is used throughout. The first imperative then, be strong in the Lord, is carried out by this next imperative, putting on the full armor of God, the whole armor of God. Be strong in the Lord. And how are you going to be strong in the Lord? Put on the full armor. Put on the whole armor. The whole armor. Put it on. Not just the bits and pieces of it. Not just a few parts. You put on the full armor or the whole armor to protect fully and completely from what is coming. This armor is of God. In other words, the armor that God has supplied for each and every one of us. He calls us to put this on. It's calling, if you're going to be strong in the Lord, you must put on what God has provided for you to put on in order for you to find your strength and have your protection. You must put it all on. Not just some of it, but all of it. When we read the Bible, we see in other places where armor is used. 
You consider the story of David. David, just a little ruddy kid, comes to the front lines and sees Goliath standing there. And he says, I'll go fight him. And they said, you're not fit for the battle. You don't have what you need. You don't even have any armor. And so they go and they get Saul's armor. And they put Saul's armor on David. But remember, Saul's armor didn't fit. It was too big. He couldn't move. It was too much. And David said, take it off. I don't want it. So it is for us when we recognize that we're not to put on the armor that this world has offered, but we're to put on the armor that God has fashioned for each and every one of us. And the armor of God fits us perfectly. It fits us perfectly. And it makes us fit for the battle and ready for it. God's armor is exactly what we need. And why do we need it then? If God's armor is exactly what we need, why do we need it? We need it because we must stand against the schemes of the devil. We must stand against the schemes of the devil. We put on the full armor of God. We want to be strong in the Lord, so we put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. This is not the first time Paul had observed the devil and his attacks in Ephesians. In fact, throughout the book of Ephesians, we see Paul referring to the devil and what he does in some ways. In Ephesians chapter 2, Verses 1 through 3, we see how the devil is in charge of the life of the unbeliever as he blinds their eyes, puts them to death, if you will, in their trespasses and sins. In, in Ephesians chapter 3, we see how God will use his church to let the demons know, the devil know, what God's wisdom is. What God's wisdom is. We see in chapter 4 that we must not be angry because if we're angry and let the sun go down on our anger, we may give a foothold or an opportunity to the devil. So here, when Paul comes through this chapter and into chapter 6, as he comes through this book into chapter 6, this is not a new theme that he's introducing when he talks about warfare, when he talks about the schemes of the devil. He's already referred over and over again to those schemes and what they do. He's already mentioned them. This is not something new. Not only that, if you remember last week when we discussed Acts chapter 17, we talked about the fact that Paul, when he went to Ephesus, had to deal with such attacks and such schemes so that Ephesian believers were already aware of such things. And so here, as Paul comes to this into our passage, it seems as though what he wants to do is expand on the theme that he's already brought up. That there is an enemy that we have. There's an enemy that's out there, and that enemy is looking to destroy. In fact, Paul is wanting to be clear here of Satan's desire. Satan, and we'll talk about this in just a few minutes, Satan's desire has already, he's all, his judgment has already been clear. His judgment has already taken place. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But his desire, knowing that he's going down, knowing that his judgment is secure and coming, his desire is to take every single one of us with him. And he, he even gets more excited, if you will, to take with him those who believe and trust in Jesus. Maybe. And so devil's coming after us. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I'm, he's coming after us. You've got to know that he's, he's, he's battling with us every day. And how does Paul want to describe this? Paul says, when he comes to us, he's coming to us to wrestle against us. I really work hard not to say wrestle, but I'm just some, if it comes out in this. He's coming to us, it says, to wrestle with us. Now, Paul wants to make something clear. Our battle is not against, our wrestling is not against flesh and blood. Our wrestling is not against flesh and blood. 
In fact, we need to consider that this morning. The battle that we have is not against each other or any other person. The ones that are trying to destroy us, the ones that are trying to go after us, is not anybody else. Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood. There may be some people who have been blinded to the truth by the devil, and they're trying to carry out demonic desires and things that we have to stand up against, but our battle is not against flesh and blood. In fact, when we consider others, we need to consider three things that the Scripture tells us. One, we must love our enemies. We know this, right? We must love our enemies. Two, we must love our neighbor. Three, we must love our brothers. In fact, it's our love as a church, as a people, as individuals. It's our love for neighbors and brothers that testify to our being born again in Christ. In 1 John, it says, unless you love your brother, you don't know the love of God. And so ultimately, we're not to battle against flesh and blood. We're to love others. We're to love enemies, love neighbors, love each other. How much more so is it sad when inside the church, believers are battling against each other? Because this does not testify to the goodness of God and his faithfulness to us that we're called to love. And so he says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our enemy is the devil and his demonic forces themselves against rulers, against authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That is our enemy. And he uses this word wrestle on purpose. In fact, this is the only time this word is used, maybe referring to this ancient action of wrestling in the Greek world. Maybe referring to that so it's something they would know because this battle is not done at a distance, Paul is saying. This battle is not done at a distance. This battle is right up in your face. And if you're familiar with like Greco-Roman wrestling style, you know it's just grabbing each other and grappling together right up on top of each other. It's close. It's hand-to-hand. It's face-to-face. Paul says that's the kind of battle we face. We're wrestling every day on something that's right there in front of us. And the real enemy... The real enemy is seeking to destroy us, Paul says. The real enemy is the devil himself. In fact, his name in Scripture demonstrates his very schemes of, and tactics that he has. He's referred to sometimes as Satan, the one who opposes God. He's referred to as the devil, the one who accuses believers and slanders them. He's referred to as the tempter, the one who's luring us to commit sin and fall into sin and be in bondage to it. The schemes of the devil are not hidden from us. Paul says, put on the whole armor that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And these schemes are not hidden from us. We do not have to act like we don't know what happened. We don't have to act like we're not sure where it's coming from. We don't have to act like we're not really sure how to handle this because the scriptures have told us not only how do we handle it, put on the full armor of God, but also here's what he's going to do. Here's what he's after. Reading an article this week, in the book Theology for the Church, an article by Pete Shim, a theologian, he lists out the schemes of the devil throughout Scripture. For us, if you're familiar with any sporting events or been on any teams, if you do a scouting report you know, for the week, you got your, your team coming up and the team you're getting ready to play and you watch videos seeing all the things they're going to do to prepare yourself for that game, right? Exactly what we do when we look to Scripture. Not only to understand what God has done for us, but we also see what the devil is after and what he's trying to do so that we're not caught off guard whenever it takes place. If you go through Scripture, you see these things. The schemes of the devil are 
one where he incites false worship the devil's great desire is to get you to worship anything but god and he doesn't care what it is he doesn't care if it's a it's a stone idol he doesn't care if it's money he doesn't care if it's materialism he doesn't even care if it's your family he wants you to put anything and everything he can possibly get you to put in front of the one true and living god and worship that other than him we see in Job that he, the devil, inflicts physical suffering upon Job even, trying to get him to denounce the Lord. We see in John that the devil enslaves us in sin and binds us up. And if any of you recognize this, you know exactly what it means because one lie never is just one lie, right? You become bound up in sinfulness. You become bound up in those lies to where you can't get out and imprisoned by it. The devil seeks to do that. The devil lies it's his number one tactic, as John 8 says, and every lie that is out there comes from him. The devil schemes evil in 2 Corinthians. He blinds unbelievers in 2 Corinthians 4. He disguises evil so it looks good to us and seems right to us, but he's going to disguise it. He opposes the progress of the saints in Ephesians. He hinders godly ministry in 1 Thessalonians. He spreads false doctrine in 1 Timothy. He seeks to destroy anything and everything he can in 1 Peter. He inspires false teachers in 1 John. He incites persecution in Revelation 2. He deceives the whole world, as Revelation 12, 9 says. In short, Satan is a liar. It's his main and number one tactic. And what he's trying to do is to get you fall for that lie, whatever it may be. The truth is there in the Lord and in his word, and Satan is lying, and he's trying to get you to fall for it. Satan is forever opposed to God. He's forever opposed to his word. He's forever opposed to the Lord's work throughout all creation and throughout all history. And as I said last week, in and of ourselves, we cannot stand against him he's too powerful for us he's too great for us and one of the things the devil wants you to do more than anything else is to discredit him or think he's not there to put him out your mind and think he's not active he can work in such a way for us if we just simply say he's not there he's not real i don't have to pay him any attention that's one of his greatest desires for you to do because the moment he does this, is the moment he attacks in such a way as to undermine everything you know everything you love and everything you believe in and he will take it all if he can he is going down and his desire is to take us with him in and of ourselves we can't stand we must be strong in the lord we must put on the whole armor of god because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the schemes of the devil, as Paul says. We must, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. I like how Paul does this. He says it here, put on, in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. He tells us who that devil is, these forces are, and all these things in dark places. And then he says in verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Now, in my translation, he, he differs with these, between these. Put on and take up. Put on and take up. And I think it's important for us to understand this. It's important maybe for us to see what he's doing. The reason why has been given. Be strong in the Lord and put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because we battle against one who is not flesh and blood, but the devil himself, and he's looking to destroy us and end us. So put on the whole armor of God. 
And then as he gets to the end of that, he says, therefore, in verse 13, therefore, take it up. In other words, the armor of God has been laid out for you. It fits you perfect. It's right for you. Every size, everything you need, all the pieces are there. It's been laid out for you. It's time for you to take it up. I was blessed enough to be able to play basketball growing up. And I remember in, in rec league back in the like 80s or something, I don't even know when that was, so long ago, I remember being disappointed because our jerseys were just shirts with just a color. Nothing on the front and a number on the back that would wear off when you started sweating. And so I was always like, man, I want, a, I want a good uniform. And I remember the first time I made the high school team and I was there and we made the team, we're practicing, you're doing it all year. And there was nothing like for me. And this never changed, playing through high school, playing through college. There was nothing like uniform day. It was special. And each time the, the uniform day happened, the coach in high school, he would do it. He'd lay it all out there for us. You know, you got the, the uniform, the, the pants, the warm-up, the socks. I never wore those, but we had them. And so you had all of that stuff laid out, and it was special. You're, you know you're a part of a team. You know you're part of something. And we're about to go play somebody together, and this is what I'm supposed to wear. And we've earned this, right? We've got this. It was special. Did that throughout college. In many ways, when I see this imagery here for Paul, I believe that's what he's doing. He's saying, listen, there's a real enemy out there that we must battle. And that real enemy is strong and he's mighty. But you have been fit for the battle because of what Jesus Christ has done. And I have laid out for you all that you need every single day. I've laid it out for you here, so take it up. Take it up and put it on. And, and, and even thinking of it being laid out there, we think about the fact that if I was going to go play in that game, I had to have that uniform on. That was the only way I was going to be appropriately dressed to be able to play in that battle, if you will. It was the only way I could do it. I had to put it on if I was going to play, if I was going to be a part of it. But if you remember back in those days, and, and it turned out worse than it did good several times, if you remember back in those days, you put that uniform on, there was no guarantee you were going to win. There was no guarantee you were going to have to win. You put it on, you went out there, you battled, you fought with your guys, you did everything you can, but there was no guarantee you were going to win. And many times you would not. A few times. More than I wished. But that's not the case with what the Lord has provided for us. Recognize this. The battle, the ultimate battle between good and evil. The ultimate battle between light and darkness has already been decided. The ultimate battle over sin has already been decided. The ultimate battle over death has already been decided. And if you just skip over to the last couple chapters of this book, you will understand that Jesus Christ wins and he's on the throne. That are there on the cross, Christ goes to battle. And on the cross, he crushes death and he crushes sin. On the cross, he ends all of those things and he wins. So now the Lord says, there is an enemy out there. He tried to put Jesus to death, but Jesus crushed his head and kicked him out of the garden, if you will. Now he knows that his time is short and it is limited and he's trying to take every single one of you with him. But I got your uniform laid out right now. It fits you perfect. It's all you need. And you put this on, victory is yours. It's secure. In other words, it's like the coach saying to you, hey guys, 
get dressed appropriately, put on your uniform and go out there because it's already been won. All you got to do is go and win it. All you got to do is go and take it. It's already yours. Just go and take it. And so here Paul says, take up the whole armor. You're wrestling against not flesh and blood, but the spiritual forces of evil in this day. Take up the whole armor. Your uniform has been prepared. It fits you perfectly. It's everything you need. Take it up and now go and take your victory. Go and take it. Because it's already sure. Because it's been made sure in Christ. As John says in 1 John 3, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Plain and clear. The devil has schemes and he has plans, but the reason Jesus Christ came was to destroy the works of the devil. And he has accomplished that. And you need to know here today, you need to understand that as Christians, we don't believe in any duality. We don't think that the devil and God are on the same level. We know he's already been defeated and he has to answer to him. And while we may not understand it all, we know that his time is short and the devil can only do what the Lord allows him to do. So he may shoot, he may fire, he may do all of those things. But for us as believers who are standing there with the full armor of God, we stand protected, we stand sure, and we stand victorious with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for us, we're more than conquerors. For us, the battle has been won. We just win it every single day, putting on the full armor of God. I mentioned several passages in Ephesians that deal with this issue of demons and battles and wrestling against these things. If I could go back just to simply one in Ephesians chapter 1, where Christ, when he had been raised from the dead, he was seated at the right hand in the heavenly places, verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Verse 22, chapter 1, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fits, fills all and all. The victory has already been won in Christ. So Paul says, prepare yourself for victory. How do we do that? We put on the full armor of God. We take up the uniform of the Lord that has been provided for us to win every single day for the glory of Christ. These imperatives make preaching easy. Just lays it out there for you guys. Be strong in the Lord. Put on the full armor of God. Stand firm Stand firm against the attacks of the devil. Take up that armor. Those imperatives make it easy for the call to be clear. For the call to be clear this morning. God has called us to put on the full armor that he has provided for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And as we look at this armor over the next few weeks, what we'll recognize is everything we need has been given to us. So take it up and wear it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Christ and for what he has done. We thank you for the fact, God, that you have not only saved us, but you have prepared us for every single day. Through your spirit now, Father, may there not be anybody in this place that is leaving their armor aside. If they do, Father, they'll recognize that not only are they open to attacks, but they surely will fall. So, God, I pray. I pray, God, that every single one of us will take it up. Take up the armor that's been provided for us in Jesus Christ, the Son. 
take up the armor that's been given to us, that helmet of salvation. Father, may we all know it. We all have it. May we all wear it. God, for those of us in this room today who believe and trust you, but maybe during this season have been under great attack even, God, help them not to forget the full armor. Help them to trust you all the more. Protect them, Father. Protect them. For maybe those in this room today, God, who do not know you, maybe they're blinded and still in the bondage of sin and death where Satan wants them to be. Help them this morning, Father, to see the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help them this morning to see the beauty and splendor of a Savior who came to set them free from sin and death. Help them this morning, Father, to see that only Christ can give them everything they need. See that he's provided. He's provided for every day. God, may no one leave this room today without being sure that they have the full armor on. Work in our hearts. Work in our hearts. All of this we pray in Jesus' name. Every time the gospel is preached, every time a word from the Lord is given from the scriptures, a decision must be made. And so this morning, my prayer is that you too will see your need not only of the full armor, but of the one who's provided for you, Christ. Child of God, trust in him and take it up. If you don't know Christ, if you're still blinded, that's where the devil wants you. I pray that your eyes will be open this morning to see the glory of Jesus. And you'll trust him. I'll be standing here. Others would love to talk to you about that and, and hear your testimony of how the Lord is setting you free. We'll be here. We'd love for you to come up. If you want to join our church, come and be a part of us. Come at this time as well. Let's stand together and sing Cornerstone.